Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode is brought to you by Shit You Should Care About and our new Cisco supporters. Head to the show notes to start supporting the media you love and the podcast hosts you love. Band, are you recording me like a robot? Kia ora everyone and welcome to The Shit Show. Now you would have just heard an ad for us, by us, um, in front of this episode. That ad was asking you to come and become a Cisco supporter and here I am in real time again asking you to please, if you love me and Squish or if you love The Shit Show, if you love literally anything we do, head to the show notes and come and just Give what you can. If you've got nothing, don't give anything. But if you've got something, we would love your support. Nicholas, how the hell are you? Oh, geez, Lucy, I'm bloody tired, but I'm here and I'm, I can't wait to get the show on the road. Oh, see, I mean, Nick is doing 12-hour days at the moment. And I'm not going to lie, it's been a struggle to even coordinate us getting on here and recording. But we make it work because we love you all. And we love doing this, and we speak through the tiredness, don't we, Nick? Exactly. I've got a I've got a coffee here instead of my usual Red Bull. Um, it's ten a.m. in the morning, usually rather than five p.m. in the evening. So things are a bit topsy turvy, but I'm here for it. We're ready. Yes, we're here for it, and we are ready, Nick. What was the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week? Yeah, so my weirdest thing I saw this week was R slash Place. Lucy, have you heard of R slash Place? Okay, I've put a couple of links to it in the morning newsy, but I really wanted you to talk about this because I never looked that hard into it. Yeah, so um, basically Reddit spun up one of its more famous April Fool's Day. I don't know if you'd call it a prank. It's probably more of an experiment. Um, They first Mm. did this in 2017 and everyone's been asking for them to bring it back. For those of you who don't know, um, Reddit is basically a whole bunch of internet communities joined together and they can either be like the cesspool of the internet, some of the worst stuff, or one of the greatest information resources ever created. If you ever want to know anything about anything, you can just type it in with Reddit at the back of it and you'll probably find your answer. Reddit is like you're either you're in one of two camps. Eh? You either don't use it and you think the interface is really ugly and it puts you off, like me at the start, or it is literally like where you get all your news, all your memes, like all the culture stuff first. You can search for the nichest little thing like rock climbing tips for New Zealand Reddit and you'll just get everybody who's obsessed with rock climbing in New Zealand. Not that I'm a rock climber. That was just the first thing I thought of. You'll get... All the information. Anyway, Ash, it's a really hard thing to say, R slash play. 
R slash place or R place because that's really hard to say uh, starts as a white canvas and it allows users to place a wee coloured pixel every five minutes, any colour you like. Um, as time goes on and communities start to organise, it transforms into like this moving, evolving tapestry of art in a way, representing all these different sorts of communities, um, from like nations' flags to communities about streamers, just people painting iconic memes. Our places, are, for me, one of the best things on the internet. Um, and you could just spend hours watching the time lapse as it evolves. So I'd recommend going and checking it out for sure. I watched the time lapse of it the other day just so I could understand it a bit more. And it, honestly, it's the cutest thing ever. Like, you can see how groups and communities get together because you can change one pixel, like you said before, every five minutes. So groups have to get together and, like, say if they want to make a flag, you have to be like, okay, you're going to do yeah. this colour, you're going to do this part yeah. of the flag, you're going to do this, and we can only change it at certain times. Like, honestly, it's so wholesome, it's so cool. And, Nick, I just think it is a great weirdest thing that you saw on the internet this week. Thank you, Luce. Um, uh, what's your weirdest thing? My weirdest thing is that Dyson have made headphones that are also ear purifiers. Did you see these? I did see them. I thought it was an April Fool's joke. So did I. So basically they are like over-the-ear headphones, like noise-canceling headphones, but they are also like they have what looks like a mask almost built into them to purify the ear. And on um on the Dyson website they have a little sort of slideshow of the iterations from I think 2016 when they first started designing it to now and it's really interesting because it's like they were thinking about this obviously with the rise of both air pollution and noise pollution and Dyson likes to be quite forward thinking and upfront but I just I don't know if this is a hit or a miss they look really weird but everybody thought AirPods looked really weird at first too. Yeah. They almost look like a motorcycle helmet and how you've got the guard over your face. Yeah. Over your mouth. So they went through 500 different prototypes, six years of research, and 30 years, obviously, of air filtration expertise. One of my flatmates walked over and he said, you know, he said he thought it was quite a cool idea because of, obviously, the rise in air pollution in places like China or in India. And then I sort of went back to him and was like, yeah, it's great for that, but but are the people that really need it living in these places going to be able to afford something from Dyson, which is, you know, quite expensive on the whole but then again technology often moves forward there's this really expensive first thing like think about the ipad or the iphone and then as time goes on and people you know acquire copy kill there's the cheaper iterations someone has to have the idea for it to then become sort of yeah exactly it all it all excuse the pun but it all filters down doesn't it yeah exactly so hopefully i mean if this is a thing that we're deciding to do Hopefully, quite quickly, it becomes a thing that um, people that really need it can afford. But anyway, I thought that was quite a weird a weird thing on the interwebs. So that's me. Another weird thing, Nick. Elon Musk, um, now Twitter's sort of largest shareholder? Yeah, um, not something I expected to see. Um, I actually came across this for the first time reading your morning newsletter, Luce. Um which was kind of weird because usually this would be something I'm all over, but it's a busy time, so not not at the moment. Yeah, can't can't blame you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, earlier this week it was reported in a filing to the SEC. Uh, the SEC is basically like the stock police. They are in charge of. They are the Securities and Exchange Commission, basically the stock police. 
Anyway, it was reported in a filing to them that Old Muskie had bought 9.2% of the social media company, worth $2.9 billion at the time. Um, so Elon has a long and interesting history with Twitter from the SEC violations. Um, at one point, he told the SEC to S Elon's C. Did he? Yeah, he tweeted that. <gasps> That's kind of, oh, why is that funny? It is, it is pretty funny. Um, uh, he's had defamation lawsuits. Remember when he called the cave rescuer, cave rescuer a pedo? Oh, God. Oh, my God. This man is honestly a fucking, like, washing machine or something that just goes round and round and up and down or IDK. He's, he's crazy, and on Twitter, he is the craziest. And then just the random trolling and meme stealing. Um, now one of Twitter's most famous users has been invited onto the board of the company with Twitter CEO Parag Agarwal tweeting, I'm excited to share that we're appointing Elon Musk to our board. Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it has become clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. He's both a passionate believer and intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. So he's wasted no time in getting to work. Uh, he tweeted out a poll earlier asking users if they want an edit button, one of the website's most requested features, um, and something that Twitter has been pretty stubborn on in the past. And actually 20 minutes before we came on uh, to record this loose, Twitter announced that they have been working on the button and are going to be testing it in the coming months. Damn. Now, I will say, so Elon was was um, tweeting, asking polls about free speech and whether the platform Twitter is sort of doing its job when it comes to free speech, whether he should start his own platform. Um, and then it was sort of announced that he had shares in Twitter and that he'd bought them on March 14th. So he was tweeting these polls after he knew that he had... Yeah, I've you know, become a huge shareholder in Twitter, and it's just it's classic Elon Musk, just like what he does with sort of Tesla share prices and stuff. He'll say something um, on Twitter, he'll put some information out there that maybe he shouldn't to sort of game the share prices or like I don't know. He he is like the best game player of the internet. That's why the SEC don't like him very much, and kind of true because some of that shit like saying that you're going to do something with Tesla to make their shares go up because you own the company is sort of, like, marginal. But anyway, $2.9 billion. That, to me, it sounds like a fuckload of money. Probably to Elon, I don't know how much he's worth at this point, but probably it's just, like, spare change for him. Yeah, he can find that behind the couch. Um, so it seems kind of weird to be throwing numbers around like that. Like, it's nothing, right? Like, oh, yeah, $2.9 billion. Yeah, just a casual. Um, once the news came through that Elon was now the largest stockholder, shares jumped up 25%, basically instantly. Um, and they're now worth around 50% more than they were in early March when he was tweeting about the um, tweeting all those polls. So that's a pretty handy return already. But I don't know. I'm pretty sure he didn't buy the shares for a quick flip. Um, among a few different takes floating around the internet at the moment, the Washington Post came out uh, saying that it could be bad for free speech, which is pretty ironic considering the Washington Post is owned by fellow billionaire rocket ship owner, supervillain, and Elon Musk's arch nemesis, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, it's just, it's this really funny thing where these huge, like, media companies, like the Washington Post or Twitter, if you want to call them a media company or a platform or a publication, depends how you view Section 230. That's very nerdy of me. But it's just buzzy that now these like astronauts are coming in and buying them. I know they're not astronauts, but like these two spacemen, it's just like, it's kind of funny because it's also like, damn, have some respect 
platforms. Put some respect on my platform. Um, Put some respect on your platform, yeah. It's probably just something to keep an eye on to make sure we're not suddenly bombarded with pro-Musk tweets from uh, from Twitter. Yeah, I mean, this will be interesting to watch. The world is just slowly getting bought up by the rich and the powerful. Yeah, so Cisco's been bought by who? <laughs> so, actually... um. Donald Trump has just come <laughs> into buy shoes you hear about. No, but I mean, look, quite interesting. Makes for good content for us. And exactly, and that's all we're here for. Anyway, Luce, um, what's your news story this week? I just have one big news story this week. We're going to dive into that after we hear from our sponsors. This- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So here is an ad for us by us. I want to have a super quick chat to you all about Siska supporters. This is the new way that you can support what we do here at Shit You Should Care About. Because right now we're in a studio which costs money to hire with an audio engineer who we've got to pay and every week we're researching, scripting and hosting this thing for you all which takes time, resources and it costs money. You'll also notice that we're using valuable advertising space here. Space which we often leave empty because we want to make sure that we're only partnering with the best and most vibey people. So for all of these reasons, we need your support to keep doing what we do. So please, if you have $1 or if you have $100, consider becoming a Cisco supporter so that we can keep doing this for you. The link is in the show notes. We love you so much. Bye. Okay, bit of a tone shift here. My big story this week is about Russia, who are sort of out here committing war crimes. I do want to do a bit of a lesson and do a bit of sort of teaching for the angel listeners on this one because it actually um, brought me back to a few of my international relations lectures. So this isn't the nicest story to deliver or to listen to, so definitely do listen with care for this one, but it is important to hear and I think it'll be really beneficial going forward and making context of a lot of the buzzwords we hear being thrown around. So... There have been documented reports and allegations of Russia committing war crimes in Bucha, Ukraine. Um, There have also been a few reports uh, before sort of these latest ones, but I'll get to them in just a moment. First of all, I wanted to talk about, like, what is a war crime? Because it does seem unique to some people that even something like war has rules, but war actually does, as like unprecedented and as fucked up as it, is, as it is, war does have rules. So these rules are contained in treaties like the like the Geneva Conventions and um, a bunch of other international laws and agreements. They outline things like civilians cannot be deliberately attacked. Um, their infrastructure that is vital to their survival can't be attacked. Some weaponry is banned. Like you can't use sort of landmines or chemical or biological weapons. 
Um, the sick and wounded must be cared for, cared for, and that includes injured soldiers, and that also includes prisoners of war. These people all have rights. Um, and serious offences such as murder, rape, or mass persecution of a group are known, as we all sort of know, as crimes against humanity. So I think the main takeaway I wanted just from that short spiel was for everyone to realise that even in these unprecedented, like, warlike times, there are still rules, and those rules are there for a reason. And they're there so that, you know, countries or people that commit atrocities or war crimes can be tried. They can be held accountable for sort of the fucked up shit that they do. So what have Russia allegedly done? Uh, It's just been announced that Ukrainian authorities have sort of found out that the bodies of 410 civilians have been found in the areas um, in Bucha or around Kiev, as I mentioned earlier so far. Authorities also allege that civilians were shot in the streets, thrown into wells, and crushed by tanks. Um, I think there was also some evidence that they had been bound up and and that these people were civilians. Um, This isn't the first time during this war that that Russia has been accused of committing war crimes. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in March said that Russia had destroyed apartment buildings, schools, hospitals, critical infrastructure, civilians' vehicles, ambulances, all of these things that I mentioned above that like you can't be just going in and ruining things that are vital to civilian survival or touching civilians. Um, Earlier that month, there was a Russian strike on a theatre in Mariupol and also um, there was a hospital that had been attacked in Mariupol by Russia. So all of these things do come under the umbrella of war crimes. Russia, though, have responded naturally, denying any type of massacre in Bucha, any type of like war crimes, they say everything's fake. They say not a single local resident has suffered any violent actions. They're saying it's all staged. They're basically Nick using their usual lines. Motherfuckers. Like, that's horrific. It's fucking horrific. And it's clearly obviously not staged. There are satellite images. There's more and more evidence coming out basically on the daily. Um, but I did want to move into a little bit more about how you deal with war crimes and specifically in this circumstance, the UN and how Zelensky has just sort of approached them. So Zelensky has spoken to the UN Security Council, essentially saying, what is the point of the UN if they can't or they won't act? And this has a lot to do with Russia and the infamous veto power. So let me take it back. How the UN Security Council works. Basically, the UN Security Council is like a section or an organ of the greater UN. So this section of the United Nations is basically tasked with maintaining international peace and security. Hence why it's called the UN Security Council. There are five permanent members of the council, being China, France, Russia, the UK and the US, these um, five permanent members get something called a veto power, which means that if one of them votes against something, like if they vote against any new thing that wants to be brought in or a new clause or a new intervention or something, a new idea, 
it won't happen. Now that in itself is a pretty wild concept, like especially when one of these when one of these countries is involved in the conflict that they're talking about, right? Exactly. It is seriously wild that you know these are five of the most influential, obviously, countries in the world. That's why they're members, like permanent members of the Security Council. And there is a likelihood that these countries' interests are going to be involved in, you know, the things they're voting on. So the Mm. fact that Russia can, if if they say, you know, we want to do X thing against Russia to stop them from committing war crimes or to make it harder for them to sort of invade a country, Russia can literally just say, we veto that and it won't, no, no change will happen. So the veto power has always been contro. Supporters say that it's like good for international stability and it's like a check against military interventions um, and also that it's a critical safeguard against, you know, United States domination. That's what a lot of supporters have said or, or a safeguard against, I guess, any state's domination. But critics have said that this that the veto is just fucking undemocratic it's and it's the main cause of like inaction on war crimes and crimes against humanity because it literally prevents if someone votes no it prevents action on it just it prevents any type of action and and that's what we're seeing exactly um so what has the ukrainian president uh, Zelensky said about this So Zelensky went and he spoke to the Security Council and he said that the UN basically had to act because not doing anything would mean there is no point to having this world body. Mm. He said, are you ready to close the UN and the time of international law is gone? If your answer is no, then you need to act immediately. He said, accountability must be inevitable Obviously, otherwise people are just going to continue committing these fucking war crimes. We are dealing with a state that turns its veto at the UN Security Council into the right to cause death. And I think that's incredibly powerful from Zelensky. He also called for the establishment of a special international tribunal to deal with the crimes and for Russia to be removed from the UN Security Council. Obviously, easy to give options and call for things like this in in like practice it would not be easy just to remove one of the five permanent members from the council um Zelensky also said there's not a single crime that Russia wouldn't commit and that the world has actually yet to see what they've done in other occupied cities and regions of Ukraine so honestly what is the point of the UN and the Security Council if at moments like these when it's critical to take action they it can't. Exactly. It kind of takes the piss, doesn't it? Like it it feels like it does take the piss. And and this is just I mean, this is showing why there's no action on, you know, Russia right now. But it's also like, well, why hasn't there been action on the other crimes against humanity that happen literally every other day? Like in Myanmar, the genocide against the Rohingya mu- mu- Muslims or like just literally anything we see. I don't know. I just I think it would be really fascinating to to look a bit closer at the Security Council and mm. what they actually do for security and stability. Yeah, I guess I don't know how long ago the Security Council was was founded, but but are the United States, France, the UK, Russia, and England the five most powerful countries anymore? Like, 
you could argue in- India is up there now. There's a, any number of different countries that you could put in there. Why just those are the five permanent members? And it'll never change. No, I know. And it's just like, even the way that we say the five most powerful countries, like, why is that the, like, why is that the criteria? Or, like, what do you mean by powerful? Like, there's so many different types of power, Mm. size, like, size, agenda setting, like, I don't know, your capabilities. Resources, political influence. Totally. It's really, really interesting because I guess there was this big, like, you know, after World War One and World War Two, and like we're moving to the new world order. Well, it's like, well, are we now? In oh, you, the new- can you say new world order? It's a little bit conspiracy. Oh, really? <laughs> well, they they always well the conspiracy theorists always say, oh, Jacinda Ardern's coming in to try and bring the, the new world order, <laughs> all that sort of shit. I suppose it is true though. Damn. Well, now I was about to say because I mean I'm just talking about what I learned in my sort of studies, but I'm like. It probably sounds conspiratorial for me to be like, are we moving into a new new world order where actually we need to shake things up in this global like global government thing that we have in the UN? Anyway, really nerdy sort of, but interesting and, and good to have some context about how it all works. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Nick, can you just talk to me about Fajoas? Or even the way I say Fajoas, is that... Is that- Fijoas, Fijoas. So the, I don't know if this is really a news story. It's kind of just my one of my favourite little bits of Kiwiana that um, that is happening at the moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, so on one of your mundane polls earlier this week, you asked if you pronounce Fijoa as Fijoa or Fijoa, and you also asked what the fuck is a Fijoa? <laughs> like, does anyone actually know? Yeah, because I knew. So many people will be like, what the fuck's a Fajoa? Do you know the results off the top of your head? Um, yeah. So more people voted for what the fuck is a Fajoa than they voted for how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not really surprising. Um, in, in my research for this little bit, I learned a lot about Fajoas. Um, they're only in Argentina, uh, Brazil... Um, and New Zealand is the highest producer of them. So it's a very yeah. niche little New Zealand thing. They're also in some parts of like Paraguay, Uruguay and Colombia, but they're really small. And for some reason, New Zealand is the outlier from these wonderful South American producers of them. Yeah, it's all these like South American countries and New Zealand. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for those of you in New Zealand, obviously you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. From But for those of you who aren't from South America... Um, you might not know. So fajoas are basically like a little green tangy fruit about the size of like an oval lemon. Would that be about right, Luce? Yeah, a yeah. bit smaller than a lemon. Like shaped like an egg but can sometimes be longer. Yeah, yeah. you can get kind of big ones and kind of small ones. Yeah. Um, they're just like any fruit, I guess. Um, they fruit only once a year and when they are ripe, it's like a tsunami of fajoas over the entire country. Also, you'll notice that me and Nick pronounce it Fajoa. We're from the South Island. We grew up calling it Fajoa, but everyone up in the North Island calls it Fijoa. So oh. I, it's probably irking a lot of you. I just wanted to give you some context on why we say it like that. Oh, well, I mean, Fajoa, Fijoa, tomato, tomato. Yeah. So there's a great post on the spin-off about how it's our most socialist fruit, and I loved it, and it is so true. Like, this fruit goes against everything we know about capitalism. You could go to the supermarket. I checked this um, before we went online, um, you can go to the supermarket and buy them for $9.99 a kilo, but why the hell would you? Every smoker room in New Zealand will have a bucket of fajoas with a handwritten, take me, I have so many, sign. 
every street every street has a yes. cardboard box full of fajoas sitting out there for the taking local facebook posts uh local facebook pages are overrun with people trying to flog them off even our backyard loose um we've got like six or seven of these little trees oh, and it's like a carpet of green fajoas sitting on the ground um if you happen to be in blenheim and want some hit me up i can sort you out please for Fajoa fans it's like the most wonderful time of the year it's all the Christmases have come at once um for the owners of Fajoa trees it can be pretty stressful like what the hell do you do with them all I'm trying to use the podcast to flog them off um the lawnmower can only spray so many across the lawn before it becomes like a minefield of bees and wasps you've got to be pretty brave or stupid to venture across the across the lawn to the trees at this time of the year um then all of a sudden like by the end of April it's all over the break room buckets are gone, Aww. the street side boxes have been rained on and turned to mush, um, and the smell of decomposing fruit from the back corner of every second house is wafting through the neighbourhood. Um, the trees sit dormant for another 10 months until our favourite little bit of kiwiana cranks right back Aww. up again, I guess. That was quite poetic, Nick. And, and like, are you even a Fajoa fan? I, I mean, I have a couple of Fajoas a year, but I don't sit there and hook into them. We've got a bucket. I've taken a photo of it. I'll post it on the shit show. We've got yes. a bucket of them sitting outside our front door at the moment. Um, on my way home from Hawke's Bay, I was given a big bag of Fajoas from the trees at Hawke's Bay. And honestly, I have to say, they're one of my favourite fruits. I have been hoeing into them and so have all my flatmates also in america some people call them pineapple guava or different variations of guava and like they're not guavas but i i get it they have that gritty sort of feel um and they're sort of sweet and you know that scratchy feeling that pineapple can give you yeah yeah that's like the the acid breaking down yeah. your mouth basically but, but it's it's an addictive like sour sweet yes. Um, are you a skin on or a skin off person? Do you just eat the whole thing? Oh, skin off. I scoop it out. Just scoop it out with a teaspoon? Yeah. Do you remember those little yellow um, yes. like two, like spoon slash knife? It was like a fajoa tool, like a custom yes. fajoa tool that you used to One have in your lunchbox. Because I prefer fajoas, oh, going between fajoa and fajoa, I prefer fajoas way more than kiwi fruit. Controversial. Really? I think so. Most people yeah. most people will go for kiwi fruit, surely. It's funny because Fijo is more kiwiana than kiwi fruit, but kiwi fruit's called kiwi mm. and so are we. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Fijoas. If you can get your hands on a Fijoa, if you're from overseas, I'd recommend it. Give it a go. You love it or you hate it. Um, if you're in Blenheim, hit me up. Yeah. I've got so many Fijoas. I love that. Please come and take them. I would them. actually love if someone that listened came and got the Fijoas off you and we could... Um, update everyone next week man that's just content isn't it it's just content that makes itself doubt now i hope you don't mind but i'm gonna jump straight into a good news story this week because i did a big old un deep dive and i just thought that's enough for me with the hard news Uh uh-huh yeah no go for it so the gamers are really banding together in support of ukraine and i am obsessed with this obviously the gaming industry and community is fucking huge and also really dedicated to like a lot of causes. Oh, totally. If you need them, they'll come through for you. So I've got just a few stories really quickly. Fortnite just raised $144 million for Ukraine relief. Um, this is epic. And I say uh-huh. epic <laughs> because Fortnite, the company that owns it or the developer is called Epic Games. 
They um, from you. they raised $144 million in two weeks and it's going to be going across multiple different places, multiple different age groups. Um, Riot, Riot Games last month, who are the people behind League of Legends, they raised $5.4 million for Ukraine. Itch.io, which is sort of they bundled up a bunch of games and like sold different bundles. They raised $6 million. And Humble and and Humble Bundle, who have Spyro, they raised $20 million. So honestly, these gaming gaming Hell communities yeah. and these gaming companies are really doing the most. Absolutely. Go go gamers. Yeah, I know. It's like, go off. Honestly, I love it. Um, Nick, did you bring a comment of the week this week? Lisa, I've basically got a whole like post full of comments. I don't know if you're going to do this, but I'm in first, so it's mine. Um, the mundane poll on do you get into a car head first or butt first, you posted it today, and oh my God, every single comment is so good. Um, a couple of them, no. Dukes of Hazard style, always. Um, I put my right foot in, I put my left foot in, I do the hokey pokey and I shake it all about. <laughs> head first, like crawling. Like <laughs> I love that one. Um, quit asking these tough questions. I already overthink now. I'm thinking of how I get in the car, <laughs> which is so true. I don't know. I guess. So- I love it. I saw it on TikTok and I was like, this is a great Monday poll. It is. It's fantastic. Um, so let us, let us know how you get in the car. Next time I hop in a car, I'm going to think about it. I think it's butt first. Same. But then I think it's foot first, left foot. The TikTok I saw was like, girls go head first, put their head under and then sit down. Boys put the butt first, they sort of turn, sit down, and then legs in. I think I'm always leaning over to put my bag on the passenger seat, so I'm like head first or hands first. When when you said head first, like head first or hands first, I just think of someone like diving through into the car. <laughs> like, I know. Like with pace. I know. Anyway, Luce, what's yours? Oh, well, Nick, your comments um, that you just said, head first, like crawling, <laughs> was one of my comments of the week. But also just on the, do you pronounce... It, do you pronounce the fruit we just talked about as fajoa or fijoa? People were just constantly like, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, don't. I like. <laughs> I don't. I simply do not. I simply do not. <laughs> yeah, so um, honestly, the mundane polls are just brilliant for, for generating great comments like that, eh? Oh, so good. Thank you for doing those. Oh, no worries. I do it for the people. And if you, too, appreciate my mundane polls, you can come Ooh. and be a Cisco supporter. Head to the link in our bio. Head to the link in our show notes. Just head anywhere because I'm talking about it everywhere because I'm not actually going to lie. We need you to be able to keep doing this. Like, right now more than ever, genuinely, we fucking need you and... I know you value us. I know you love us. And that's like makes my heart sing. But if you have absolutely anything you can give to help us, I I would just, I don't know. I get emotional every time I see like a new member come through. So please, please, please do. And Nicholas, where can the people find you, Squishy? They can find me in the winery most of the time. But if I'm not there, I am on the shit show Instagram. Whacking in the search bar, you'll find it, surely. After all this time. What about you, Liz? You can find me on the other end of the Daily Newsy or on Shit You Care About or on any of these podcasts like Culture Vulture or The Shit Show or just, I don't know, eating fujoas somewhere in the grass. <laughs> Alrighty. Have a good one. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, everyone. See you later. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.